Well, hey everybody, so good to be with you today. Today, as we're continuing in this message series, Seek First, we are once again in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 16, if you want to pull that up in the Bible. And I'm going to be using the English Standard Version of the Bible, and let me pray as we get started. God, I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you that you're here with us now. Lord, I pray that you would just light a fire within all of us to really go after the kingdom of God above all else. Thank you for the breakthroughs that await us as we really seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Unleash your power and love now in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you had met me when I was 20 years old, you never would have believed that one day I would be your pastor. I was kind of a hippie, and I dressed like a hippie, and I had hair that was long and curly, and if you straightened it out, it would come way past my waist. I mean, I did not look like pastor material. In addition to that, there was about four years where I went through a pretty dark time, and I picked up some pretty dangerous and destructive habits. And I will tell you, some of the things I was doing are the things that some people don't ever come back from. Now, a lot of my friends didn't stop when I did. And some of my friends have even died because those habits eventually sucked them in and sucked them under. Some have overdosed. Some have gone to prison because of it. And some of my friends are still doing those things. And I've thought back many times over the years. How on earth did I stop doing so many of those things that were harmful and dangerous when so many of my friends didn't stop or haven't stopped. And I don't know for sure all that God was up to. I know that my life is very different than I would have imagined with a wonderful family, a healthy lifestyle, and I get to pastor this fabulous church. But what did God do to pull me back onto the right path? I'm not exactly sure everything he was doing behind the scenes, but there are two things that I definitely credit for my uh, coming out of that gutter that I was in. One is the pattern that my parents raised me in of weekly worship. When I was living at home growing up, it was a non-negotiable. Sunday mornings, as a kid, I would be in Sunday school and in church. And as I got older and went to college, even if I was out all night partying or doing whatever, if I was home, my mom would come in and say, I don't care if you were out till four in the morning. If you're sleeping in my house, you're going to be in church on Sunday morning. And so it was just deeply ingrained. And from sitting in church all those years, I had all these commandments and all these stories of the Bible just ingrained in my life. The foundation that my parents wanted to build, they built. And this is a great thing for us parents to all remember. We don't get to decide what choices our kids will make later in life, but we absolutely get to decide what foundation they'll be making those decisions from. It is our job to lay that foundation. And although I often resisted, I give my parents great credit for their relentlessness in laying that foundation of weekly church and Sunday school when I was a kid. So that foundation was always there. And even when I wasn't in church, most of the time I wasn't during that period, I always would wake up and feel like, ugh, I wasn't in church. I always felt like I ought to have been. But a second thing I give great credit to is the prayers of my maternal grandmother, Louise Canister. 
My grandma Canister had eight children of her own and at least 18 grandkids, but she was a prayer machine. And she would tell me later that at the little uh, retirement community that she and my grandfather lived in, that there was a chapel. And in the chapel, there was this little thing with 10 candles on it. And she said that she would pray through those candles. And as she prayed, each candle represented someone that was close to her heart. And so she said eight of the 10 candles she used to pray for each of her eight children. And the last two she used to pray for one of my cousins and me every time she went in there. And I guess that's because of the 18, we needed it the most. And so I truly credit my turnaround in life, my exit from that gutter life to the prayers of my mother and grandmother. I believe that they prayed me out of the gutter. A couple years ago, I heard a seminar by a guy named Dr. Jack Deere, and it had a huge impact on me. And he taught from scripture that the most powerful thing that any believer can do is to pray. It even says as much in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, The fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Yes, far more powerful than anything else we can do is our prayer. And so Dr. Deere was saying that Satan's main strategy against the church is to keep Christians from praying. And so Satan will tell us lies, things like, oh, our prayers don't really matter, or prayer is not nearly as important as action, or prayer is for old ladies. All these things he'll tell us to keep us from praying, because he knows when we start praying, the kingdom expands, and God's kingdom comes in us, through us, and around us. Now, in the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Today we come across the most memorized portion of scripture in the whole Bible, and that is the Lord's Prayer. But it's really important for us to remember the context that the Lord's Prayer was given in. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his new disciples how to seek the kingdom of God above all else. And that's what the Lord's Prayer is about. How you and I, who are deciding to seek the kingdom of God above everything else, what our priorities should be. And so as we walk through this text where the Sermon on the Mount gives us the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to share with you three big ideas that Jesus teaches about how to seek the kingdom of God in prayer. And I'll apply it to ourselves individually and also to how you can pray for your church. So the first big point we see is that Jesus teaches that we need to pray privately. He says in verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I am a huge fan of prayer meetings, of prayer in worship, of prayer before meals with other people. But Jesus is saying that the most powerful prayer that we will do will be the prayer that we do in private behind closed doors. You know, a lot of times people talk to me about wanting to start a new ministry to meet this need or that need. 
But I will tell you the most powerful ministry that each of us needs to start is our own private prayer ministry. That's right. Each of us needs to lead our own private prayer ministry where we set aside time each day to go into that closed room and to pray God's priorities. For pray for God's kingdom to come, to pray for the things and the people that are most important to us. It should be a huge priority every single day. And we can't say we're too busy to do it. In the Old Testament, uh, the book of Daniel, we see the book of Daniel, who's one of the leading men in all of the kingdom of Babylon. Three times a day, he would go into his room and shut the door and he would pray. Uh, John Piper, the theologian, said this. He said, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook is to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Ouch, but so true. We all have time to pray for the most important things each day. I gotta tell you, this has been a, a big revelation in my life the last couple years, that I can have my own private prayer ministry, and it's the most important, most powerful thing I do any day of the week. And it is totally dependent upon me making the choice every day and nothing else. And I've used this app that's really helpful to me called the Inner Room app. And it'll guide you through your prayer list. And so I have three prayer lists uh, for myself, for my family, and for the church. And there's 21 items total, and it leads me through it with a timer. And I pray one minute for each thing, and then it moves on to the next item. So in 21 minutes a day, I can pray for all of these things that are crucially important to the kingdom and for my own life. Jesus said we each need our own private prayer ministry. It is a huge way for us to take ground for the kingdom. Now, a second big idea is this, that when we pray, we need to pray thoughtfully. He says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Uh, the picture we see here that he's painting is of, of people that are doing lots of religious activity and they're repeating mindlessly pre-memorized religious prayers. They know the words, they've said them multiple times, and so they pray them over and over and over. And I'm sure God appreciates any effort that we make, but mindless mantras repeated without mental engagement is not the most effective kind of prayer. You know, this makes me think of prayers around our kitchen table when I was growing up. My mom and dad, they always had us pray before a meal. They usually would make us kids pray. And there was one prayer that we always prayed. It was, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And that is a great starter prayer. And we got to where we could pray it at Holy Ghost auctioneer speed. My brother could pray it without moving his lips. It was so fast. God is great. God is good. Let's for fruit. Amen. I mean, so fast. No mental engagement. We were great at whipping out that prayer to get on to the spaghetti and garlic bread, whatever mom had made that night. We didn't want to. We were resistant. And I'm sure God was happy that my parents were ingraining the habit. But Jesus says, the best way to pray is to actually use your mind. Use your heart 
engage with what you're praying. It's a conversation. It's a pleading. It's an urgent matter between our heart and the heart of God. He says, pray privately. Get your own private prayer ministry for the kingdom going. Pray thoughtfully. Really mean it. Desire it. Seek it. And the third thing he says is to pray God's priorities. It's the third big idea. Now, again, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was not giving us a mindless mantra to pray. He was giving us a model for how to pray for the kingdom of God above all else. He's just spoken against mindless mantras. He's giving us in the Lord's Prayer a model for what should be our prayer priorities each and every day. And when we look at the content of the Lord's Prayer, what we see is what should be the primary content of our own personal prayer life. And it really is very different than what many people spend their time praying about. A lot of the time when we pray, we're trying to get God to help us with our priorities. But most of the Lord's Prayer is about us asking God to fulfill His priorities through us. Prayer is not primarily a means to get from God what we want, but to give ourselves fully to what God wants. So what's the content of this prayer? Well, we've known it our whole life. Let's unpack it. What are the principles and priorities we see here? Well, it starts with Jesus saying, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, most English translations of the Bible keep the old language on this part of the Lord's Prayer. Because that's how we all know it. Hallowed be thy name. But let's be honest. Hallowed is not a word that many of us use very often outside of praying the Lord's Prayer. What does hallowed be your name mean? I really like the way the Net Bible translates this. It's a newer translation, very accurate. And it has Jesus saying, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, let your name be honored. That's what hallowed be thy name means. Let your name be honored. Very similar to let your kingdom come and let your will be done. We're praying first, God, let us bring honor to your name. And this is a very good thing for you to pray for yourself individually every day. Say, God, let me bring honor to your name as I go about my day. Let my attitude bring honor to you. Let the words I speak honor you in the name of your son Jesus. As I go into this tricky situation, even if it doesn't go the way I want, let me to honor you in the way I behave and respond to those who have different ideas than me. And this is also something that I'm asking all of us to begin praying and keep praying for our church. Ask that our church would bring great honor to God and to his son Jesus Christ. This is such an important and powerful thing to pray for. Our main mission is to glorify Jesus. And there are so many ways for churches to get it wrong. And by the way they fight or the way they have the wrong priorities to bring dishonor to Jesus and to the Father. And so pray that God would help our church to continually honor our Father and honor Jesus in everything we do. Pray for yourself and begin praying it for our church. The second priority we see is the kingdom. He says, pray your kingdom come. Now again, the whole point of this prayer is how to pray for God's kingdom above all else. In us, through us, and around us. 
And when you pray for God's kingdom to come in your own life, you're asking for King Jesus to fully conquer every aspect of your life. You're praying for Jesus to really rule over your mind and your will and your emotions. You're praying for the Holy Spirit to submit every part of you to the rule of God and to the Word of God. When you pray for yourself, your kingdom come, you're saying, God, let your will be done in me. Let your dream and your desire be carried out in me. Let the version of me that you see in your eye become the version of me that I really am. Conquer me utterly and completely. When you pray your kingdom come for our church, you're praying for God to bring about his kingdom in the hearts of those that are coming and through our efforts. We're literally praying for spiritual awakening at our church. We're praying for God to bring unbelievers to the point where they become believers and to bring believers to the point where they are fully surrendered to the rule and reign of the Holy Spirit. We're saying, God, do the work in us and through us that only you can do. God, we pray that you'd pour out new spiritual gifts, new power on our church. Jesus, do everything that you can think of to do in us, through us, and around us at Crossroads. So this year, we're all going through a rebuilding year as the Christian church. Every church is going to have a rebuilding year this year, and we are included. We're rebuilding after the pandemic, and I'm very excited about what God is going to do this year, but I'm asking you to keep praying your kingdom come at Crossroads. God's spiritual awakening, bring all of your power to bear on our efforts this year. Reshape us as we rebuild into the exact spirit-filled church that you know we can be in every way. Then we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the angels of God do the will of God fully and joyfully without complaint. Us human beings down here on earth, eh, we're not always quite as naturally and willingly obedient. So when we pray, your will be done on earth that it is in heaven, we are saying, God, we want to do your will in our lives. You're saying to God, God, I want what you want in this situation. Lord, if my will is different than your will, then let your will trump. You're saying, God, I'm asking you to bring about the outcome that you want, even if it's different than the one I would naturally want. And there's this great proverb, it's chapter five, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 6, which says this. When we seek the will of God, it says that he will show us. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 6, in the New Living Translation, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So in every situation, our goal should be to do God's will. That is the safest and the best place to live. Continually seeking his will, asking him to lead us, and then trusting that he is. And again, this is what we want to be praying for our own church, Crossroads. We don't want Crossroads to be a church that does my will, as Jason or even your will, or anybody's will. We want a church that does God's will. So when you 
pray for our church. God, your will be done. You're asking God to bring about unity in the hearts and minds of the leadership and the members and the participants of Crossroads. God, let your will be made known and let you lead us all in unity in your will. We don't want to do what another church is doing. We want to do your will for our church. It may not look like what we've done in the past. We want to do your will in the year 2021. Pray with me, friends. God, your will be done in 2021. That kind of has a rhyme to it. I didn't know that before I just said it, but I like it. And after we pray all this, our main priorities are God's name be honored, God's kingdom come, and God's will be done. Then we humbly pray, give us this day our daily bread. And this is simply asking God to give us what we need to do his will, to seek his kingdom. I love this. This is not asking God to give us bigger cars, bigger houses, bigger income, uh, a better looking spouse. This is saying, God, I am here to live for you. Give me what I need to live and do your will. That's all I'm asking. And it's right for us to ask for God to meet our needs, to trust him to meet our needs, and to believe that he will meet our needs. Now, as we pray for him to meet our needs at Crossroads right now, I can tell you the biggest need of probably every church, but definitely ours, is for people to get back in the game serving in the ministries of our church. After a year and a half of pandemic, we are ready to reopen our cafe in full, free of charge, all morning on Sunday morning. We need lots of volunteers to help run it. We need you to do your part in our ministries, our donut ministries at the church. It's basically Kathy and Scott Deathridge that run it themselves week after week every year. Friends, those donuts are good. We all eat them. So let's say that we will help with those welcome ministries our kids' ministry. We're getting ready to reopen it in full at 8.15 service as well as 10 o'clock on August 15th. We need more people serving in our kids' ministry. God is bringing people back to church, and some people who weren't in church are coming to our church for the first time. And we are a volunteer-run organization. And Jesus taught us that the harvest is always plentiful, but we all need to be serving, and that we should pray for this. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, that Jesus told his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So pray that God would meet our needs for every member in ministry, every member serving. There is a harvest of people in our community that need Jesus. And it's going to take you and me, each of us, stepping back into the game to serve to meet those needs and to help those people come to know the saving love of our Lord. Verse 12, Jesus says that we should pray daily, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Regular, humble confession of our sin is a key part of seeking the kingdom of God above all else. When we mess up, we fess up and he forgives us. But there's also an expectation, he says, that we're going to forgive others as well. He goes back to this in verse 14 where he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Friends, grudges, holding on to grudges against former friends, against family members, against other people in the church, holding on to grudges will stop the 
work of the Spirit in your life like nothing else. It's impossible to be living out the will of God and seeking the kingdom of God if we are holding on to unforgiveness. It may be that what we need to pray is for the power to forgive, but we can never accept unforgiveness as a permanent way of life. We beg and we plead until the power comes to release people from the grudge we've been holding against them. Even as Christ forgives us, we must pay it forward. The final line of the Lord's Prayer is simply, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And this is a closing to the prayer, which simply says, and Jesus, keep us from going off the rails. Keep us from messing up this good path that you've got us on. Keep us from bringing disrepute to your name. Keep us from making mistakes that sabotage our influence for you. Lord Jesus, bring about all the good you can in us, through us, and around us, and keep us from doing bad things, which will ruin the good you're trying to do. So friends, Jesus says that your prayers are powerful. And if you're seeking the kingdom of God above all else, it's going to mean that you develop a rich private prayer ministry of your own, that you are praying thoughtfully and you're praying God's priorities. So let's do this. Let's get in the game. Let's pray. Let's serve. Let's rise to the occasion of what Jesus is calling forth from his church in this year of rebuilding. Let's pray now. Holy God, I thank you for your faithfulness and your service to all of us. I pray that you would unleash your power and your passion for prayer in each of us. Oh God, every person listening or watching has so much power available to them. So God, I pray that you would activate prayer, a passion for it, a realization of all that we can do through you when we come to you and pray your priorities with all our heart. And now, Lord, we pray that ancient prayer that Jesus taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.